everybody. Welcome back to Lights of Recovery. I'm Jessica Miller, your host. I'm also the editorial director of addictionhelp.com. No big deal. Um, So today we're going to be talking a little bit about substance abuse. And this is something that I think is really important to discuss because so often I feel like now that I've, I've been working in the recovery field for a little while, I've noticed that there's so much that's tailored to, to people who had pretty severe addictions. And while that's wonderful because those people absolutely deserve help and love and support, there's a lot of us out here, myself included, honestly, that may not qualify as being an addict necessarily or may not even be what you would think of when you think of addiction or an addict. And yet, we're out here, we're, 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 we're struggling with substance abuse. We're using substances maybe for the wrong reasons. And like some of us find our way out and there's not a lot of support, I feel like, and not a lot of conversation around that. Um, especially with things like alcohol, which, you know, in our society, it's like, it's the popular thing to do. It's, it's almost bizarre if you're not a drinker. So Anyway, on that note, I recently put out a thing on Facebook because, you know, this is a new show and I want to talk to anybody and everybody. And I got real lucky with Ashley from last episode where we just happened to meet in a Facebook group, but that was kind of lightning in a bottle, honestly. So I put it out to my friends, you know, who does anybody want to come talk about your experiences? Because like, in my opinion, everybody's got a story at some point with this. And so my amazing friend Jess reached out and was like, girl, yes, we need to chat. And so this is a little bit of a catch up for us too, because I don't actually know this full story. I have a vague sense of it. So um, may I please introduce uh, the lovely Jessica Fouts, or do you prefer Jess or Jessica or Jesse, honestly? Well, okay. So Jesse is an endearing term that my family and my besties call me. So you obviously call me Jesse, but I actually prefer Jessica. Okay. That's right. So so Jessica and I worked together. (laughs) Honestly. So we worked together. Um, We're not naming any names or companies or or whatever. We worked together for a time. I was her assistant. And because we both had the same name, they were like, well, one of you's got to change and you're the new one. So you you get to be Jess now. And it was Jessica, her. And what's really funny is now as life has gone on, I almost never introduce myself as Jessica unless it's like in a professional setting. But people call me Jess all the time. And honestly, like I even said it at the beginning of this podcast, why did I, why did I say Jessica? Because honestly, I'm, I'm just, I'm Jess at this point. Anyway, (laughs) so I'm super excited to talk to you about your story because I know we have been friends for a lot of years at this point. And- you know, actually, look, we're about to be, it's been at least a decade. Right. At least. And maybe so many more than that. I know. And and like, it's so many iterations of ourselves, you know, different job changes, relationships come and gone. You're a mom now. Like, it's, it's pretty awesome, honestly, being able to look at somebody and, and see so many different versions of them. So- it's With wild. that said, take me back to the dark times. Um, oh, what dark times? I know. Like you said before we started, because we were chit chatting. You know, sorry, audience. Like you don't get to see everything, but we were chit chatting, and uh, Jessica was saying, you know, 
she like I know why I was drinking and I was like save it save it save it don't <laughs> don't tell me yet so so let's get into it now is the time so okay um I'm gonna kind of piece this away so I had started drinking on a regular basis by the time I was 16. Wow okay so after school I drink before school sometimes um when I was about, when I was, say, 13, 14, there was no doubt in my mind that I wanted to do a lot of drugs. Wow. I wanted to do them. I wanted to know what they were like. I, I, I didn't know why, but I knew that I wanted to do them. And so drinking became something that um, I was used to doing. And okay. I drank. Was it like a like a family thing potentially too like did not that you came from a, a family of drinkers but you know i know some families it's just very common they have wine with dinner and everybody holidays drank. and it's just right okay everybody okay. drank now my grandparents on both sides full-blown alcoholics okay my wow. grandfather died in detox um oh. so the other it's all it's it's riddled throughout my family right so my parents they didn't beat their kids right Right? You know what I'm saying? So, like, yep. things were okay. <laughs> because you didn't beat them because you were drinking. But they were definitely drinking. And it's indoctrinated into our society. Yep. You have, you have um, a drink at brunch. You have this or that. But the point right. is by the – You want to hang out with your friends and it's like, well, what are you guys going to go do? You either get dinner or you dr get drinks. Or you drink. It's just so – It's such a thing. Yep. It became indoctrinated into a life. So I worked at a restaurant. You know, I was a partier. Um, but when I turned 19, I was exhibiting severe PTSD problems. Really? Severe. I couldn't leave the house. I couldn't do a lot of things. And it kept me from things. Like I would have gone. I was accepted to go to a school down south in South Florida to their marine biology department. And um, I couldn't leave. I was too terrified to leave anyone who was safe for me. Um, and during wow. these times, um, alcohol was something I could lean on because it took away these PTSD feelings, which, by the way, I had no idea were post-traumatic stress syndrome at this time. Right. And nobody around in my circle was going to go, oh, uh, yeah, by the way, there's a few things that Mary <laughs> What a lot that's, you know, and kind of, kind of gave me a small warning. Um, so I was so floating along, doing your thing, self-medicating without realizing. Navigating that's through, and I was having major issues. Um, so what kind of issues? Like, if you don't mind my asking, what were some of the, the well, symptoms was, that were coming up for you? Uh, oh, goodness. Anything associated with PTSD. So I would be too terrified of anything. I was so scared of dying every second. Um, I couldn't sleep. I thought it got so bad that when your brain starts to shut off when you're actually falling asleep, which is ironic now because now I believe we actually do disconnect, but for a totally different reason, <laughs> uh, I would think I was dying. I would literally think I was dying, so I would stay awake. So that losing consciousness becomes terrifying. Just when I was dying, I, I, I was in mean. such a full state of panic from the moment I woke up until I went to bed. Um, I was doing anything to make myself feel better or to feel calm. Uh, my family, my old man worked for Big Pharma. 
and uh, did up until he retired. So I was living in a situation where medication was unacceptable. So it really, because you would almost think maybe it would be the other way around. So he was in it and he knew the he, way that, like, you know, you weak if it you could take be medication. terrible. You're weak. Wow. You're weak. And also anything like being addicted, that was, that's unacceptable behavior. I didn't have it in me to be an addict. It was too frowned right. upon. Does that make sense? Like as yes, far as that because... was the world that I was living in, like you're better than this, you know? Right. It so you're not even going to consider it. Exactly. It was really focused on putting the problem on your life is good. You have nothing to be worried about. What is wrong with you? What is wrong with you? What's wrong with me instead of what happened to me? Right. Right. So I got really good at pretending. And I, at one point, um, when it was the symptoms were so bad, I was terrified to drink alcohol. So I actually didn't for about three months. So I was so scared. Wow. I was too terrified of just existing. I was afraid everything was going to kill me. It's wild. I have so many stories. I can't get into all of them. Um, <laughs> but it would, you know, things, I would be tucked inside of a corner for hours, you know, in between. There's, I would get disassociated all the time. Where and was this in relation to when I met you? Because I would never have guessed. So when you never. met me, it was at a very interesting time. It was the first time I got medicated. I had finally, and it wasn't, I had been told, no, 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 no. I was terrified of taking medication. I finally got put mm -hmm. in front of somebody that was like, look, this is not right. You have to go get help. And I did. And I did it. And I was terrified the whole time. And it did offer me relief. And I was ecstatic about it. But all it did was take away the anxiety so I could party more. Because I hadn't had that in so long. I had been living with this, with this suffering. My soul was on fire. Basically, I couldn't do it. Like the drinking would quiet it, so I could function, so I could work, so I could right. be in any kind of a setting. Um, so let's see, where am I? So when I met you, um, I had just started taking a medication, and it was buying me relief, but that only lasted for a very short time. It came back. Trauma is always desperately trying. Yes, it is. <laughs> it's, 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 it is trying to raise itself up. And it, you cannot bury it. You cannot bury it. You can put a bunch of stuff on it, but it is going oh, to climb its back. way back and out. And twice as hard. Twice as fast. All mm, that stuff. Right. So, you know, really the reality is by the time I was five years old, the damage was done. Yep. So... I was living in this world of toxic stress. And what I learned is that little kids, their brain chemistry gets literally rewired and their uptick of like, let's say this is normal adrenaline. Well, you have to uptick it a little bit so you can right. feel things. So my behavior as an adolescent, I was always doing crazy stuff, push the limit, feel exhilaration so I could feel something. Right, because your baseline had been so elevated. Mm -hmm. So I could feel something. Wow. So that kind of explained a lot of my like crazy behavior. Um, you know, I would drink a lot. It was it was just a symptom of something else. And 
I... So when did it turn on you when you started going like, okay, I mean, you got help for a little bit for the medication, but then it, you know, you went back to partying because at least, you know, you had this like monster away for a while. So you could kind of go enjoy yourself, but you then kind of but sounds like went nuts. Didn't deal and then, with anything. I didn't deal with anything. Right. So, so it was anyway. like kind of trapped in a closet and I'm going to go crazy yeah, and, and have and a good time. But then finding this little cocktail of stuff I can take to keep me moving forward. Right. So I, I had to work. Right. That is how we met. <laughs> right. I had to like do all these things and and I did them, but I was suffering miserably. My soul was on fire and I was so miserable for so long. And it, I was in trouble sober so when i'm having things like blackout rage sober let's just mix some alcohol with that and see what happens oof it's not good right. it's not good it's so you know it might quiet the rage um what did it for me is that i was losing my grip on keeping the rage monster in accompanied by having flashbacks. So wow. I kind of knew these flashbacks were coming because I was much more educated at this point and I had been told I'd already been diagnosed with PTSD and I was in real trouble then because I was timing the drinking. But at this point, I had a little boy. So you can't be out drinking and stuff like that. That's not going to work. So I'm taking a bottle out of the fridge because it's the only thing that is keeping these flashbacks at bay so I can raise this baby. Now, I'm not getting blackout drunk. I'm not like getting passed out. But I was well aware of what I was doing my whole you life. You were self-medicating with I'm alcohol. I'm self-medicating right. to drink to keep this monster at bay. And it just did not work. So it took that realization that... Oh, Where's tea swizzle when we need her? I'm the problem. I'm, <laughs> I love me. that song though. I, like I'm, I'm it. I kept starting to realize that I was having these patterns and I was going to hurt someone. I was going to hurt somebody. And then whose fault is that? What, someone triggered me? Somebody said something to me and I go hurt them with a baseball bat or I want to go down to my neighbor's house and slit his throat while he's sleeping. Like, these are thoughts I'm having. This is stuff I'm dealing with. And right. yeah, that's, I go a, do that's those, very intense. I go that's do very those intense. things. Yeah, what happens when I take the baseball bat to my husband? Right. Whose who's fault is that? <laughs> right. That's, that's my fault. So it just became a realization that, I, now, mind you, neither of those things happen. <laughs> Yes, no. for, for no. clarity's sake, internet, <laughs> don't freak out. <laughs> um, uh, I was like, someone's going to take my son from me. Um, and I was, I was also hurting myself. I, I was totally sober and I broke my hand. What? I didn't know this. That was like when I first started getting sober because the rage was so much. I, I didn't know. I don't know. How, I didn't have those tools yet. About what do you do? I slam my fist into stuff, so I break my hand. But I'm punching something that doesn't move. Right. You know, it's same thing. I broke my foot. Same way. Which is weirdly, and this is going to get a little cheesy for a minute. So you know, forgive me. 
But you just, the way you said that, you know, punching something that doesn't move. And I kind of feel like I can relate in the sense of, you know, when you're running from your trauma and you, whether you recognize that's what it is or not, and you're just trying to cover it in, you know, getting messed up essentially. Uh, for me, it was Kratom and, and booze. Like it's punching, it's literally punching something that doesn't move because the trauma is not going anywhere. It is not mm-hmm. moving. And and you can keep hitting it with, you know, doing whatever you do to to numb yourself, but it's like, it's not going anywhere. Until yeah, you no, it's not. Change something, you know, you got to do the work and it sucks and it's hard and it's, you know, but it's so worth it. So if you're it, listening, it's, it's so worth it. Oh my God. It was amazing. So, so I what changed myself, then? So, so I got myself, um, I had had a couple of episodes where I was drinking too much and I was getting like rage happy. So that was kind of, there were like several other things that had been happening, but I was like, I had, I had known that I had never truly put any effort into really not drinking. I have never just fully up and quit drinking. And I only had myself, I had a lot to prove to myself at that point because Hmm. I like that it was, you were proving something to yourself. A hundred percent. You always hear that. But I like that. I didn't want to be some, I wanted to be, okay. Drinking didn't do anything but hold me back from becoming this embodiment of the woman I knew that I was. And that included being this mother to her son who doesn't have to have a drink because I saw those people walking around and I wanted to be them. In fact, I openly hated on them because I wanted that so bad. How could she just do that? Yeah, I would see things and people like, you know, I'd have four or five drinks that you'd have one. And I didn't, I hated drinking. I, for so many years, I didn't want to drink. I can relate to that. I didn't have any other way to, what you're talking about. I didn't think that I would ever go through life without drinking. I had accepted this half life that I was going to have. And I was just going to be a drinker like everybody else was in my family. So how long has it been now? I, it's been a little over two years. Are you serious, dude? I'm so proud of you. Thank you. It's been a little over two years. I will tell you um, that the true, so the recovery side of it, right? So when I first decided to quit, um, I was having major PTSD. So there were a lot of extra things that were like happening there. Uh, But my husband, and he wasn't my husband yet, uh, he was going down hard. He was not supportive that I wasn't drinking because um, he has his own demons, right? So that meant sure. he had to quit drinking. If I was going to quit drinking, I was just going to amplify how much he was drinking because it's in your face now all of a sudden. So yep. he was going down hard. So my situation at home was not easy. Sure. I was having panic attacks all day. Mm-hmm. Um, I did use Xanax to help me with that. And it wasn't until about six months of sobriety that I finally started to make real headway and I truly confronted and found the flashback became clear. And I was actually able to see into my past and have a realization about what I was running from. 
So the, and the demons basically made themselves known. I basically, I, I, I found Pandora's box. I found it. And I open it up. <laughs> and then I had to reevaluate, which means I needed like a backpack and like a flashlight and like a smoothie. Like, like I can go in there and figure out what was going right. on. That is, it, it, you know, at first I lost a lot of weight. I didn't feel physically sick, <clears throat> which was good. Um, but the true magic happened after months of sobriety. One thing that you asked me about what made me do it is I realized that I was never enough. I didn't know how to love myself. I didn't know what that was. I didn't know what that looked like. But my son was. I knew how to love him. He was enough. So if I could just follow that, I could make something happen. And it did. I kept working and I found all of the answers. And that's when the real work started to happen. That's when I really had to go in and look at those demons and find forgiveness and not touch a drink for any of them. Because it was. Did you work with a therapist as well? Or were you just kind of doing individual work? I did individual work. So I did mm -hmm. um, something kind of called the completion process, which is something that I okay. followed um, that helped me greatly. Uh, so I did a lot of self just sort of work. I, I educated myself a lot. I did a lot of practices. Um, Excellent. But when I reached this moment in life, I actually was a little concerned at first that I thought I was manic um, because I was so euphoric inside i felt like once i had reached this point that i felt like i i had like survived a thousand deaths i had a second chance at life i felt reborn again inside my soul i'd wake up at three in the morning and i'd run around the neighborhood crying tears of joy good thing nobody <laughs> came outside because my neighbors i know, I know what you're talking out. about though man like it was yes for it was like i got to experience life and i didn't have this overwhelming feel of death knocking at my door every single waking moment and I didn't have did to it, drink or drink. I didn't have did to do it feel anything. Like, like colors were better and Everything. like food tasted better. Right. And just I think I was on drugs. Yes. Yep. Yep. I, yes. I got to experience the world. Every emotion came out of me. I cried and cried and cried because I had been numb my whole life. I didn't know what I was doing. I had no idea. How do you deal with what you can't remember yet? And right. more importantly, but that's still what hurting happened, you. That's still hurting. And what happens when you're addicted to suffering? Because that's Ooh, what I was. More on that, please. To. Okay. Go yeah. on. You're addicted to suffering because it's been indoctrinated into my life. How? How do you mean that? Or what do you mean by that? It was like it became, without knowing it, it became such a part of my everyday life since I was little. I didn't know anything outside of it. Right. So that was your baseline. That was normal. If it didn't feel chaotic, it didn't feel right. Exactly. And chaotic shit happened all the time. Things were constantly going crazy was happening. That, that was me attracting all of that because my soul was on fire. Right. 
And You've said that a couple of times, and I think that's a really good. You were the person. You of all people, me, it was probably back in 2013 or 2014. You were the first person who ever sent me that meme of the dog sitting at the bar that's on <laughs> fire, and I'm like, this is not fair. Literally with the coffee cup, like this is fine. And you were but making a joke right. about work, and I was like, that's. <laughs> Me. <laughs> me, not at work. That's me at home. That's me in the shower. That's me in my dreams. I would have night terrors. I had all no the time. idea. Just, I had... just to, you know, to let people know, and then this is what I think makes this interview kind of unique and fun and special is because I know you and I've seen so many like iterations of you, like we talked about earlier. And, you know, it really just goes to show how powerful masking can be, unfortunately, that you can have somebody right next to you suffering as immensely as you were and not really know. And it's, you know, not to shit on me or anything to say like I was a bad friend, hopefully, but, but like people good often they can, they can, we can still hide these things from loved yes. ones, you know, and of course, and they, they have no idea. And so I just want anybody listening who has a loved one that has, you know, suffered through any form of, of addiction or substance abuse, maybe you're beating yourself up about it because you're like, how could I not have known? How did I not see? It's really not always that obvious. And, you know, everything you were listening to, to Jessica talking about this and like, I think only because working in this field for so long, do I, not, do I not feel that sense of immense guilt of like, gosh, how could I not notice? Because I know that People are really good at masking it. I was really good at hiding it. When I told people about the Kratom thing, um, a lot of people were like, what? I had no idea you were back into that. Or that, you know, I just told um, my uncle recently, I like, I was either drinking hungover or drunk during 2020 and most of 2021 and maybe half of 2021, I guess. And he, he had no idea, like no clue. And that's, that's the way it is, right? Like we hide it because we it also is. don't want to burden our loved ones with our demons. There are a lot of people who don't know this, but um, I hid things that I wasn't okay because that's how I got, that's how I felt I got love. Mm. So if you're living in an environment where things are not okay, but it's not okay to say that, you hide it. And then that just becomes a part of who you are. Right, because you're so strong and tough. I can handle it. It gets anything. disguised as being tough. You know, I was a tomboy. I was tough. My parents were tough. Yeah, it was cool. It was edgy. It's no, I was traumatized. And I was a walking around not feeling anything. To give you an example of how Yes, please. Significant this was. This is okay. When I was eleven. Mm-hmm. We, I was in the car with my parents and we were driving home and we struck a woman, a pedestrian who was walking across the street and we killed her. My parents pulled over on the side of the road and they jumped out of the car and I sat there and I watched everything. Wow. And I remember feeling like it's not okay that I'm not sad because I felt excited. Because it's chaos. There's lights, there's trauma. It's recognizable. This is something I'm used to. I'm addicted to this suffering. It's familiar. Wow. I was 11. 
So then, okay, then my parents are, you know, she's okay, you know, this, this, and that. But at that point, I'd gotten to, I knew I couldn't tell them I wasn't okay or that I had had those thoughts. Um, you know, I distinctly, I can remember all sorts of times throughout my life that that would be a big, that just goes to show that the damage was already done. What would have happened, do you think, if you had said, like, you know, hey, I'm not okay? I don't think a looking whole at it lot now. Different, I don't think a whole lot different would have changed. Really? Okay. Yeah, I don't think my parents would have probably like put me in therapy or anything like that. No, I don't. I don't. I don't foresee that. I would like to think that that would have happened, but I don't think so. So, how do you think your experience has changed how you are a parent? With your oh my son? goodness. Well, the fact that it allowed me to see my life at his age, mm. it uh, it has stopped me. I've stopped the cycle. So I am not projecting unknowingly all of this pain and how I'm dealing with situations through my son, which happens, you know, intergenerational trauma. Um, so I have put the brakes on that. So that is one way. Um, That's amazing. I was just talking to my therapist about that, actually, that being being a cycle breaker is exhausting. Absolutely. It is. It's, it just, is. it's exhausting. It's hard. I will it's tell you, hard. Jess, there are moments that are utterly beautiful because not only am I healing, when I watch my son do these certain things and realize the life that he has and what he's not going through, it brings me so much joy. And then I am also at a healing place where I forgive things in my past, right? So not a yeah. I'm not only healing, but like my mom, my mom is healing too because I get to watch her not only be a good mom to me, she's being an amazing grandmother to her grandson, and it's she's healing too. Oh, that's beautiful. And it's beautiful to feel. And I couldn't have yeah. had any of that with the alcohol. I couldn't have had any of it. I would have never have gotten to this place. It would have kept everything numb. I would have never figured anything out. And not to mention, it's a poison. It literally it's, is, though. It's, it's actually poison. Your body, you are, your body is like, oh, fuck this. Let's get rid of this <laughs> immediately. Trying to get rid of it. And we're like, no, but, but there's a football game. Or there's brunch. Or there's all this stuff that really doesn't matter. Like, Yes. There's not, always a reason. There's always a reason. I have I have so much fun now going to like a place to meet people and to not drink. Isn't it fun? I love being hungover. <laughs> right? I'll be here. Dude. It's gonna be great. I don't have to deal with yep. that. Yeah, I'm sitting apart. I don't know the thing about it. Is I I love it. Um how has it so you did mention your husband, you know, early on yeah. it was a challenge for you hard. guys. Oh, <laughs> so how is it now? Because I, um, I suspect it's very different now. Much different. <laughs> you know, he has his own reasons for drinking. Um, and we were professional drinkers. So he, yes, he thanks me all the time because I'm the reason that that made that. I basically put one foot down and one foot up his ass. I'm still popping <laughs> in a circle. We I love making, that. We were making it happen. So because... does he not drink at all anymore either? So he will. He'll drink. Okay. That's um, like me once in a while. You it know. doesn't. Yes. And like uh, now when we got married in Italy, I absolutely had Italian wine. Um, but I wasn't 
it was so different. It was, was for able, a different reason, it right? It was like, so different. It was very, very different. There was no getting drunk. It was to drink the Italian wine. And it was a magical experience because my relationship with alcohol was so vastly different. Um, that's I don't, the key right there. Mm-hmm. That's it. I don't have these feelings because I think I lived so many years in so much pain with so much suffering. And I hated the alcohol for so long that I was so ready. I was so ready. People always say you got to be ready. Yes, you're right. I was right. I already lost one marriage. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't from. Do you think that played into that at all? Oh, I don't. I do think alcohol played into our chaotic lives. Absolutely. Um, That's fair. But it was more like. Without getting into it, like, I I know that it's, there's a lot more to that story. Oh, of course. But it sounds like to your point, like, you know. What. Let's. I had spent twenty something years drinking full time. Let's try it just not this time for the next twenty years. Let's, Let's see, see how what happens. happens. Let's see what happens here. I have been in the best shape of my life. I've been going to yoga. I try and go three days a week. I got a six pack yes. now. That baby came back. I feel all hot <laughs> and forty. I meditate. <laughs> I can sleep now. Um. Yeah. Like I. I wake up and and don't get me wrong. I still deal with. PTSD and I still have my problems and I still have those moments. So, so what do you do now to kind of manage those? What are what has worked personally for you? For Meditation has been the hardest thing to it, it was hard initially because I was so it was so hard to get me to sit still. <laughs> um it really was. I, I was there's so much happening inside. Um but once I was able to start doing it like while I had a panic attack or like while I was in it. And then I started like, oh, I feel a little better. Right. I would do it again. Wait. Yeah. And then I would do it again. And so I started finding um, resources online and things, certain certain gurus and things like that, um, that I really liked. And I would listen to them a lot and I would try and do the work. I started doing the work about like getting in when I'm having these episodes. Okay. Let me get into a meditation that is kind of geared towards this and see where where it takes me. The completion process helped me a lot. Um, so what is that? Because I've never heard of that. The so completion process a- is a book um, guideline that something a woman by the name of Teal Swan put out and it's kind of a contra- controversial figure. Um, but it is all about when you have those moments of trauma, going in and walking around in your memories and sort of meeting yourself again and processing Mm. all of that so there's a lot of childhood trauma stuff that goes on in there and like really processing all that stuff um interesting you know so a lot of visualization techniques a lot of visualization stuff because i had sort of found the key i found this key and i felt such a sense of euphoria and safety i knew that i was going to be okay i knew i was going to be all right and if i could just keep going and I could only control myself keep going I had so much to learn and I had so many answers to find and I learned so much about myself and it completely refocused my entire life as far as like what I'm passionate about and how now I want to help people that's all I want to do is help people I'm not too sure how I'm going to do it yet maybe this is where we start I mean honestly this is a great start Really? I just want to start somewhere. That's the goal. Yeah, to help. And 
if for anyone for so long, I, if I had a superpower, the thing that I wish that I could do was that I could just touch your arm and you could feel all that rage inside of me. So, you know, I wasn't crazy. Wow. I just wanted somebody to know, you know, there was a time I couldn't even like, if you mentioned the word suicide or anything like that, um, it got to the point that I couldn't hear the word. I couldn't be around a conversation. I couldn't see it on TV. I go into complete panic attack, a complete meltdown. Why? Is, why would, yeah, I was gonna why say, would is that, that happen? Is that related to the trauma? So know? I learned, I, I, I learned this um, through this process. It clicked because I was so terrified of suicide. I was so anxious about that I was going to be so anxious that the anxiety was going to make me commit suicide. That That's not how that works. <laughs> no. But wow. I was convinced. Um, and I would go once. I went years like this. And I would do anything wow. I could to avoid it. Um, it turned out. a sense out. of like not having control of your own self, you know? Like, no idea. Oh, my mind gosh. and I were at odds at all. Oh, I constantly get lost in thoughts. If I got a song stuck in my head, that'd be months of debilitating distress. So I thought I was going crazy. I wanted so badly to be locked up in a mental institution, but it was frowned upon. Right. But do you think that would have helped you? If yes, because I would have had I would have had real people helping me <laughs> instead of me trying to figure it out on my own because my parents weren't helping me. They didn't know how. Right. They didn't know how. They prayed that I was just too little to remember. But when I was little, there was an incident in my home. My brother was being abused severely, and there was an incident in my home where he would uh, he was going to kill himself, and he this would get screamed and he was terrified for his life. He also was afraid he was going to get killed. So this is like an eight-year-old little kid who's sleeping with a knife under his pillow, right? Or a nine-year-old kid. And so he's going to kill the whole family or he's going to commit suicide. And I was real little when that was happening. Right. And your brain stores that your information. brain stores that information. So when I when I got to that memory and I was like, Oh, this is what now educated me. It's like, oh my gosh, that's why does it make it okay? But I understand now. I understand why why it did what it did. And then if I could understand that, what else is happening? What else is out there? So it really just been on this amazing journey of self discovery. And let me tell you, I've never looked sexier. <laughs> you do look fantastic. You have such a glow. <laughs> But you can see it on me or people don't take me a long time. Honestly, way to take it from like that very serious and intense moment of memory to like, <laughs> but also I'm so attractive. <laughs> that's what I, that's what I love though. We have a very similar sense of humor. We've, you've got to, you've got to look at the horror in the face and sometimes you just have to laugh because otherwise you Way. That's the point. It's you gotta, Wait, you, you know, to laugh about it. Like Sometimes it, you know, you do. that is that is like a, a a soothing mechanism to use humor. Yeah. Um, you know, my my parents. It was a. I say my parents. It was a running joke in my house about me humping the furniture. What? 
I'm like, then I get older and educated. I'm like, you know, three-year-olds aren't supposed to be humping furniture. You do know what that means, right? Everyone just oh, wants to laugh no. about this at, the, at Thanksgiving dinner. Like, oh, hey, not in front of company, Jessica. Can you keep it in the back? Like this, this kind of. But that implies clearly something else was there going was on or had obvious, happened there was, to there you. There was several things going on, but this implies how let's use humor to disguise a horrible thing. That's a good know? point too. You it know, it's a coping be, mechanism, but it is a coping yes. mechanism. So but it, it can, can be. also be a mask and you're right. Right. It can be. So there's sometimes, but no, humor is great for you. So it's, it's a journey. And anybody who is like, if you are having trouble in issues, like drinking is a symptom, over drinking is a symptom most of the time of something else. Yep, I agree. I mean, having a good time can't always be the, re it's not. And it's also boring. So life now is way more exciting and in a good way. For me, like it your is. Baseline My life is, is more boring now, but I'm excited because. Boring is nice, isn't it? Oh, I everything's all calm and quiet there's no chaos there's no drunken just mayhem my son is thriving he's living in a world where he doesn't have to worry about those things you know he gets he's living in a world where he gets to be happy or he gets to be sad and that's okay i love so, that and yeah, i love that your is, focus is not just on, you know, he lives in a world that, you know, he's happy because I could see, you know, some people maybe coming through trauma and then it's only love and light, right? It's only like, he's happy. Everything's happy. I've made a happy, perfect environment for him where he'll never be sad and, you know, whatever, but that's not life. That's not mm -hmm. realistic. And I'm so glad to hear someone say, you know, no, he is free to experience all of the emotions there are in a safe environment. Yeah, that's Which so was huge and so absolutely important. Absolutely not. There was no crying in my household at all. Wow. Um, in fact, my mother told me a story one time. She was like, I'm really proud of you for going to, to therapy. This is actually with my first husband. And she was like, I'm very proud of you for doing this. Um, you know, I, I want to tell you something. I really wish I would have done this with your dad. If so, I think we would probably have still been married. She wow. said they had gotten into an argument and she got really upset and she started to cry and that he got angry with her and basically told her, if you think crying is going to solve anything, you got anything coming, something along those lines. And she's like, so I didn't. And I'm like, okay, well, when did that happen? I'm like thinking, trying to think in my mind, like when things were rocky, she's like, I don't know, before we got married, I'm like... Wow. Okay, so this is why I've never seen my mother cry. I've never seen my father cry. I'm not crying. I wasn't allowed to cry. Do you cry now? Oh, my God, yes. <laughs> it's so nice. Sometimes I'll cry <laughs> in a commercial. I'm like, this is what real people do. The public commercials, <laughs> we work now. I'm like, yes, I can feel. I can feel things. Yes. They're so good. The Hallmark be, commercials. Oh, <laughs> there's, but it's, it, it, there's, such a, uh, there's such a release in it now. That I know yes. it's okay. A good one. And it feels good that I can cry when I'm happy and I can cry when I'm sad and I can cry when things are funny and like it's I'm I'm not so shamed for it. I don't I, I never identified with shame until now. I never thought I was ashamed. Oh, oh, oh. Ah, so much shame. 
Fun so what would you say? What is has been the most unexpected positive out of all this? Because I'm sure there's some obvious ones, you know, the motherhood and your relationship and your health, but what has been the most unexpected joy or bonus or outcome from this? If you can think of anything. I think the unexpected one would be connecting to source. Really? I didn't expect it. I didn't know. I I had, I've been so numbed out. I couldn't feel anything. You know, um, that is something I didn't expect to happen is that my spiritual side would open up in a way that it did. Um, what else did I not expect to happen? I want to touch on that real quick though, mm-hmm. because I think that's really lovely and it actually connects back to the conversation that I had with Ashley in the last episode where she had a very similar experience and, you know, spirituality is deeply personal. And that's why Mm -hmm. I encourage, you know, anybody that's on here, I want them to talk about it and I want them to feel comfortable regardless of what my personal beliefs are. I want them to feel comfortable to talk about theirs. And I, I feel like that is such a common thread, whether you are religious, non-religious, just feeling that there's something bigger than me. And there's, there's almost a, a, a magic to existing. You know, oh, there's I didn't profound. expect to have a sense of purpose. Oh, really? Like now I have a sense of purpose. Like I want to go help people. Like now I understand what my role is. I feel like we talked about that years ago. We did. Hilariously sitting at the bar being like, yeah, I just don't know what I want to do with my life, but I'll figure it out eventually, you know, and, and we'd laugh, ha ha ha, whatever. Because I was so at the time gung ho that I was going to be a teacher and we would talk God, about I that. I forgot about that. Remember? Yeah. And you'd be like, wow, Dude. I wish I had something that I was that driven to do. And I would get that a lot from people. And it's funny because then I did it and was six weeks in and went, this is not for not me. For me. <laughs> this is, I really want to help people, but not like this. <laughs> not with my, not blindfolded and with my hands tied with red tape. So um, <laughs> yeah, scathing indictment of, of public school, but that's another podcast episode. Oh my God. Um, I know. But that's, that makes me really happy to hear from you. It, you know, it, it was something cause it, I, I feel like I had a very unique, special moment when I had just figured out this information in my brain within kind of a 48 hour period where I was physically laying in bed, sobbing, but I felt safe and I felt like I, I had like a vision, like a coming, like I felt this release all while understanding all this information. I was just downloading into my brain. It, it almost like something of the fifth element, you know, when she, she, it's all downloading, all downloading. And I felt like somebody was with me. Yep. You, and it you was messaged un- me around I this did. time. Because I was freaking out. I was like, do I call? Like, what do I do? Is this, is this, what am I hearing? Like, what, what is this that I just like know all of the sudden? And I had been so numbed out that suddenly it was like right there for me. And it yeah. was helping me process. And it, you know, I'll get specific with it. It always feels like I have two lights up in the left-hand corner. 
And I, love those, that. I identify those as my spirit guides. But at the time, there was no doubt in my mind that I was being helped. That they had been waiting for this. Somebody had yeah. been trying to get my attention. You mentioned your grandmother and yeah. just keeping, continuing to get these visions of her yeah, in her, was... her, her chair, just like smiling this knowing smile of yep. like, well done, welcome, you know? Well, no, 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 not well done, welcome. No, she was sitting in her chair, in her rocking chair, and she was rocking back and forth. Yeah. And I had already quit drinking at this point, but what she did is she said, come here, let me take a look at you. Kind of did one of these with the chin. And she backhanded me. Quit. Okay, that I don't remember. We're going to ruin your life. She just told me every, everything right then. Like, like you're destroying everything. Like, you're doing exactly wow. what I did. You're destroying it all. Like, and But that was her. She was rough. She was tough. She was funny. But her being calm and, like, cool and collected like that probably wouldn't have gotten my attention. I needed right. to be backhanded. You needed, yeah. That's what ha- That's what I needed. I needed to feel that, and I had already quit drinking at that point. But it was like that reminder to punctuate was, that sentence of like, "Don't do it again. Stay you're, you're away re- from it." You're, you're repeating. Done. You're going to repeat the cycle because you're doing what everything else. Is. It was just so clear as day, and um, yeah, I would feel her everywhere. She was I such a that. boozer. She was well, such a here's, bruiser. Here's because if she I didn't can... know how to cope. That's, you know, what would happen? Well, then here's to, I won't cheers because that feels ironically terrible. Um, but here's to being cycle breakers then. Yes. Oh, yeah. Breaking no, I like that it. cycle. I don't know if I mentioned this, but you know how we were talking about alcohol being indoctrinated so much into our society? Yes. I used alcohol to celebrate every emotion I had. Hmm. So if I was happy, let's drink. If I was sad, let's drink. If it was funny, let's drink. If I'm any emotion. If you're bored, let's drink. Right, right. Any emotion I had was accompanied by a drink. I could never just experience it. Unless it was tear. Mm. Tear or suffering or things like that. That, that I could experience because I was conditioned. Right. And the the terrifying thing about that too is, is socially that's so much harder to notice because that's just what's accepted. That's just what we do as a society is, Mm -hmm. you know, it's a, it's a birthday, it's a holiday. It's, you know, right now we're in the, you know, the Christmas, Hanukkah, Thanksgiving, et cetera, New Year's season. And there's, you know, everything revolves this time of year around alcohol it's also cold so let's drink to your point so Mm -hmm. do you um and again we're not professionals we're just people out here doing our best but if you have any words of encouragement or wisdom for people listening who maybe are on that fence um what would you say just to put you on the spot a little bit i would say you're not alone you're not. You're not alone. And you can do it. That's the thing. It's like, what do you have to lose? If not now, when? True. When are you going to love yourself enough? When are you going to be enough? 
Hint, it's right now. <laughs> right now? Yeah, totally. Right now. Right now. Why not? Uh, the time. Let's just do it. Yeah, it's just about, yeah, not being alone and figuring out you can live your life totally sober and be happy and be yes, immersed in it and not so. have this thing constantly around. Um, you know, uh, I will say on another positive note is that um, nearly my whole family's sober. What? I'm, Stop my it. Mom, my mom quit drinking when I quit drinking. My husband quit drinking. My dad, my stepmom, they're sober. They're, they, they, they quit drinking. My best friend Corbin, she doesn't drink either. Um, my girlfriend Hope, she doesn't drink. So it Bro. was, it was spreading and it wasn't just because of me, they were going through their own things. Right. But it was, it was spreading. Cycle breaking, man. Hell yeah. Damn. Amazing. Yeah. Well, I absolutely love and adore you. And I thank you so much for coming on here and talking to me and sharing all of that, not just with me, but with everybody that's watching and listening. For those of you listening, then I would love to hear your thoughts and experiences. I mean, can you relate to what we talked about today? And if so, how um, have you had similar experiences? I want to know about them. So let us know in the comments. I mean, this is on what YouTube, Spotify, Apple Music, pretty much anywhere we can put it. You and you can listen to podcasts. That's where this is. So drop some comments. You can also shoot us an email. And I say us, I, I actually mean like me and the addiction help organization. Um, Lights of recovery at addictionhelp.com is the email address. And that's also where you can send an email if you want to be amazing like Jess and like Ashley from previous episode and come share your story because listen, everyone's got one. Everybody has a story, I'm convinced. And they don't all look the same. They may not all have the same intensities, but guaranteed you have a story and I want to talk to you. So shoot me an email and come on the show. Um, if you liked this, help us get it out to other people by, I know this is so lame, everybody like and subscribe, but really like that shows the, the algorithm robots, hey, people like this. And the more people that watch this, the more people can be inspired and get help. I'm not trying to sell anything, man. I just want to help people, help us help people. So like and share, comment, whatever, that helps get the message out. Um, and then finally, don't forget to go to addictionhelp.com because that website is focused on actually helping people and giving information about addiction recovery. So all of that said, I love you guys. I appreciate you checking out the show. Thank you again so much to Jessica. I'm sorry if I called you Jess a few times. Yeah, it's it's old habits die hard, man. You're allowed to call um, me whenever you want. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, thanks and goodbye.